The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Uh, Matt and I are here on Labor Day. They wanted to give us off. We said, no, we want to work on the holiday. We enjoy it so much. Um, I want to see you, Jimmy. I want to see you on Labor Day. Now, we're starting right off. Uh, Jan Blachowicz is our first guest, and he is here, uh, mm. which is really great. Uh, he's fighting Dominic Reyes, of course, light heavyweight belt vacated by Jones in the uh, co-main at UFC 253 on September 26th. There he is. How's your reception up there? Oh, pretty good. Thank you. It's good on the Polish mountains. I heard we have we got a house on the on, on the Polish mountains. Is that what I'm hearing? I was, I was. I do my cardio camp over there, but right now I'm back to Warsaw to my home gym and finish the cardio camp now. A few more sparring and uh, oh, that's where you did your camp. You did your camp yes. on the mountains. Yes. Yes. Now, why is that? Is it higher altitude? Yeah, and you know the the air is different. Too hard to breathe. And when you come back from the mountains, you can breathe much better, you know, and your cardio is much better. And I feel it. It's good for me. It's work for how me. Long, how long do you go for? One week. Oh, just for a week. Okay. One week is enough for me. You don't like running, right? I was, that's what I was really enjoyed that you don't like running. Do you know what is it? Hurt your legs or you hate it? I hate running, you know. My knees are hurting. I just don't feel it, you know. It's not working good for me. I... In the past, I, I, I have a coach who say me, you have to run, you, you have to do running, you're going to do like this or this, and I just don't feel it, you know? What, what, so for cardio, do you, you do, um, do you run hills? Like you, you don't do sprints? Yes. What do you do for your cardio? It's, uh, it's not sprints. It's like uh, slow running for the cardio, you know? In the end of my camp, I, I do sprints, short sprints. Short but this, sprints. Yeah, but this is different. In the mountains, that's, you know, it's uh, two hours, uh, you know, walking to the mountains, to the top, something like this. And you do, you know, always you, we've got a gym on the attitude that we do uh, training over there. So in the morning, we always do cardio training in the mountains and in the evening, spar, uh, sparring session or drills, MMA drills, something like this in the gym. When it comes to sparring, 
How many days a week do you spar typically uh, getting ready for a fight? Two days, three days a week, four? Three days. Three days sparring. Three days. But, but I've got the... I do, I do sparring every day, you know? Yes. Something like this. But hard sparring, just three days. Okay. And jujitsu and grappling. Do you do it the you have designated days for that? You mix up your day like sparring yeah. in the evening, grappling in the morning? Uh you know, in the in the morning we do with the whole gym we do uh, everything together, you know? And in the evening everybody do what they need to do. I, I'm gonna fight against Dominic Reyes, he's Southpaw, really good kickboxer. So my coach, you know, prepare a strategy for me in the evening I do with the special guys. You know, secret things. You know. Yes. How, Ayan? How excited? Uh, what's the buzz around the academy, around your school, your team? That you're, you know, you're fighting for the belt. I mean, is everybody, yeah. is everybody, everybody super psyched? Everybody's happy, you know. And my sparring partners, they beat me like never. You know, yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> they, they try to help me so much, and they, they. They are much better than before, you know. I think that that also something changed in uh, in their day, their minds, and they try to help me much b- more than before, you know, title shots. <laughs> yes. And it's good, you know. That's nice. <laughs> what did What did you think of uh, Reyes's fight with uh, with Jones? I thought Dominic won that fight. It was very close, but I thought Reyes won. What did you think? Uh, it was a really close fight. Really close. Uh, really nice fight. Fight. Uh, nice to watch. But I think that John Jones was was little bit better. Oh, you thought Jones did win it. But only this, you know, maybe one punch more. Uh, if if Dominic will do one more punch, then he will be better. But Very for close. me, yeah, Jones, really close. Now, uh, were you surprised when he vacated the belt? And, and how did you find out? I not was surprised because uh, I think that's going to happen because John Jones, you know, he said this, all these things that he quit, that he go... He will never fight again. He go to heavyweight and stuff like this. So I think that something is is wrong with his head, you know. <laughs> and uh, and I think that finally he gonna uh, you know leave the belt and and do something else. And I, I wasn't surprised. Oh, okay. So you you think that there's something he's a little restless? Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, obviously you and Reyes is the uh, do you do you feel in a way is is there any insult to it that Jones left the division and he, and he's I'm going to go on to bigger competition. I don't care, you know. I don't care. I don't think about John Jones anymore right now. Right now I'm thinking only about Dominic. I catch Jones later. You will catch him he, later. Yeah, I catch him later. But right now I'm focused only about Dominic. It's about the belt, Jan. Right? It's not so much yeah, about beating but, John right. Jones. It's about getting that gold. That belt. Belt is the most important, you know. And Dominic is a great fighter. It's yes. you know one of the best in the world. And so it's, uh, it's the belt. Belt and Dominic. This is what I think right now. And after this fight, I catch uh, John Jones. If he not gonna fight, if he don't want to fight me in the in the octagon, I would go to Albuquerque, catch him in his gym. <laughs> I do this. I will do this fight <laughs> anyway with him. <laughs> He's gonna find him. So uh, yeah. <laughs> he called you a technical beast, right? Reyes has a lot of respect for you after you uh, after you you went over Cannoneer. So you, you know going in that this guy has probably been had his eye on you for a long time. Yeah, I know, I know. I also got a lot of respect to him. Uh, but I know that inside the octagon, you know, we're going to try to knock out each other, you know, it's going to be a tough fight. Uh, I also like fighting stand-up. I, I think that's going to be a kickboxing match in small gloves. So it's going to be really exciting to watch. Jan, for the fans that are listening that are not too familiar with your background, 
What discipline, what martial art did you start with and, and what age? When I was nine years old, I, I go to the judo class. Oh, judo. judo. And I tra trained this, I don't know, one year or maybe two years, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, that's a very strong base to start with is judo. It was, but I don't remember anything from judo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <What>? No, <laughs> come on, it was a long time ago. Yes, so, 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 you, so you moved on to judo. So, you went to judo. What, what, went, what came after judo? You know, the after judo was, you know, uh, era of Jean Claude Van Damme and uh, Bruce Lee. So, we, we do this. <laughs> with, oh, uh, so, you with, started uh, studying their technique. Yes, also like everybody in my age, I think so. Yes. <laughs> and after that, you know, I go to boxing, uh, boxing gym, and uh, and jujitsu class. Ah. And in in, on a, in our jujitsu class was a couple good wrestlers, and they show me also wrestling technique in our uh, jujitsu uh, class. Yeah. But so you did you feel you transitioned easier into the striking or the grappling? How did you take the jujitsu? I think I'm. Everything was easy for me when I was younger, you know. Yes. What I, if I start playing uh, football, I, I was good. In, in basketball, I also was good. Natural <laughs> athlete. So, yeah, yeah. So that was easy for me. If they show me, you know, uh, show me some technique to take now, in the next day, I, I, I knew everything about this technique. I just grab it, you know, easy. <laughs> what about right now is a little bit tougher, but... <laughs> <laughs> what about your first fight, Jan? How old were you when you had your first MMA fight? Pro fight? Yes. Or amateur. Yeah. First, time, I'm not sure. first time in a cage or a ring. I think. <laughs> uh, or you, uh, I, I, I don't remember. Like uh, in the competition, yeah. I was in box boxing. I think that was boxing match first. I was, I don't know, 16 years, 17 oh. years old, 60, something like this. So you knew early that you wanted to be a fighter. You were going to make this your life? You knew that early? No, I think that I'm going to go to military. I would, oh, would like military. to be a military, yeah, military guy. I've got some special group. They waiting for me in the military. <laughs> uh, but when I, but when I was eighteen, uh, I go to my first jujitsu uh, competition, and I won, won that. Ah. And after when I won, the, they they give me medal, and I was so happy. And I think, okay, I don't want to be a military anymore. Yes. I will, I'm gonna be a sportsman right now. <laughs> what What did you want to do in the military? Like Anything in particular, or just the idea of the military in general? I will be the guy who, uh, how how to say in English, I will parachute jumping and you know with the gun and stuff like this. They waited parachute. for me in in in, the, in this company, you know, like <laughs> a ranger was, or something like that. Something parachute. like this, yeah. Have you yeah, ever skydived? Like no. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> you, you probably should you'd learn to do that first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you, you got your yes, buddy, Jimmy. So you got your hand raised. You felt. 13 years old, winning that grappling competition, you felt the, the feeling of victory, and you exactly. said, get the military, I like yeah. that feeling, I'm going to be a sportsman, I'm going to be a fighter. That, that's it, exactly. It was easy. <laughs> it was easy? I changed my, yeah, I like this, you know, change my mind in one minute, you know, after the, the, this competition, jiu-jitsu. That's amazing. And now look at you, look at you so many years later. Uh, your, your, your family, were they supportive when you were young? Your yeah. parents? They like uh, my parents, they support me all the time. Even now, if a uh, fight is somewhere close in Europe, always they are with me over there. Uh, yeah. They support me, you know, they help me when I was younger and I, I don't have money. So they give me a little bit, you know, okay, go for training. <laughs> uh, all the time now I can, uh, you know, uh, count on they support even now, you know. So 
it's amazing. You know, I got really great parents or family. Been, my, I've got great, they support me a lot. Has it been a little, a little scary for you sparring at all during this whole uh, lockdown? Do you get more concerned about who you're sparring with or who's coming in the gym? Right now? Just in general, yeah, with this whole lockdown. Uh, yeah, a little bit. But, you know, we've got, you know, good gym with the, with the good friends. We are all the time together, close together, and we know that uh, nothing bad's going to happen. So, but, you know, never know yeah, because we will see. But I, I believe that everybody is okay and, and fight will go on. But the mountains is a great place. Like when you think about like all this stuff that's happened, doesn't, aren't you happy that you go to the mountains where it's kind of quiet and there's not a whole lot of people? I love mountains, you know, I, you know, my head is also, it's very good for my head, you know, when I'm on the mountains, uh, I clear my mind over there and I come back to, to, to Warsaw, to big city with the uh, new energy, you know, like I, uh, I say this to, to, to my coach, uh, I come back from mountains in Friday and my coach says, okay, in the weekend, the, uh, you do, don't do anything, you know, because you are tired, but I, I come to the gym in Saturday and I say, coach, I feel so great. You know, let's do some training. And we do really good and hard training session because, you know, I was, I was tired, but happy than I was in the mountains and I grabbed the new energy for the training. Oh, that's great. There's no distractions when you're in the mountains, correct? It's not like you could go out no. and get distracted. It's just the focus. Yeah, focus, you know, you're thinking only about the training, you know, nobody calls to you because you are in a different place, far away from home. So <laughs> just you. Your sparring partners, uh, mountains, good food, and that's it, you know. Yeah, and you stay for one week. Uh, how come you don't stay any longer, or is that just what it calls for? You know, I was a couple of times longer and was too, too much for me, you know, because it's really hard to train in the mountains, you know. Uh, and right now I'm in this part of my life that I know my body really, really well, and I know where, where to stop, when to push a little bit, when to, you know, slow down. And, and I just know that the one week it's enough for me. In yeah, if you, you don't want to push yourself before a championship yeah. fight, like, like, like in a bad way. You know, overtraining is worse than you don't. Uh, the overtraining is uh, it's not bad. for It's, it's really bad for, 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 for fighters, you know. Yeah, it's true. I mean, people, they burn themselves out in the gym and they don't save some for the, for the cage. People forget the, the recovery is the same important like, like training, you know. You need to find the balance between the training, hard training and the, and the recovery rest and stuff like this. How will overtraining affect somebody in a fight? Getting tired earlier or? Yeah, or... just after, you know, after two minutes of the fight, you are exhausted and you just won't go to home, you know. And that's it. You, you know, in the, you can do five rounds in the, in the gym when you go to, uh, uh, to the fight. Uh, you do two rounds and you are tired. Why? You need to find the answer, you know. And sometimes it's overtraining. Sometimes it's something in your head, in your mind. But sometimes it's overtraining. Yeah. Well, look, man, you are uh, obviously you're, you're deserving of this shot. So we're happy for you. Uh, and you and Ray, this is a great, great matchup. Yes. And, and um, I guess you're feeling confident going in. Uh, all right, now, is this your first time ever fighting for a belt? Uh, in the UFC, yes. But I, I was a KSW champion in the, the biggest Polish organization. Maybe even in Europe, the biggest one. So, so I know how to how it feels to get the belt. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> and you know the, yeah. the pressures that lead up to it in the day. Like you know, the little it's a little different than a regular fight. Yeah, it's 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 the pressure is a little bit bigger, but I don't think about the pressure. You know, I don't think about this because. But I also I knew how to change the pressure for fuel for my body. You know, I know how to do this. This 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 fight's in Abu Dhabi, correct? Yeah. Yes, I mean Fight Island. Yeah, of course. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Oh, that's so great! I'm gonna, Jimmy. I'm gonna be there. 
Are I'm you? gonna be there for this. Yes. No. Oh, I can't wait. I'll get like me too. <laughs> you too. Yes, you did. Yeah. It's good for me. Just two two hours different between you know Poland and there. So oh, yeah. Well, you got that going for you. A lot of other yeah. guys. A lot, you know, how's the flight? How's the flight over there? I think it's gonna be six hours because first we have to go to London, stay in London one day, on for quarantine, yes. and yes. then from London we go to to Abu Dhabi. So first of all, I have to go to London. It's far. In, from Poland it's four hours, something like this. But but from London in six hours fly. So it's, oh, okay. it's also easy, not so bad. Well, I'll tell you, your your knockout of Luke Rockhold was brutal, and your la- and you know the win over Chaka Ray. I'm looking at your last three fights, and the uh, that Corey Anderson knockout. And Corey, you knocked out Corey Anderson, and he was looking phenomenal right before that, taking out Johnny Walker. So I was expecting a battle between you and him because he never looked better the fight before, and then you just. You knocked him right out of the UFC with that punch. Okay. You just—it was like it was, that was brutal, Jimmy. Imagine yeah. that. Imagine that punch with no audience and the sound. Uh. <laughs> that would have been scary. It's scarier. It was really good. Nice feeling, you know, to beat Corey in this way after what he do, uh, does for me in our first fight. You know, yeah, yes. it was amazing feeling. Oh, that's right, redemption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got that one back. That's great, man. Well, listen, you definitely and you know, and earned. You, you see overtraining my first fight against Corey, you know? That was overtrained. It was. Isn't yeah. it, Jan, isn't it amazing the experience, how experience helps? Like you as a yeah, fighter? Yeah, a lot, you know? Yes. You know, you know, I, 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 I survive almost everything in, in, the, in the cage, you know? <laughs> or yes. in the octagon. So, yeah, I know how to use the, this, this uh, my, my knowledge about everything, you know, what can happen. Yes, the wins, the losses, it adds to your fight IQ. And it made you the, the fighter you are today. It's very and exciting. I think uh, I, I am. I think that I am a really smart fighter, you know. And it's helped me a lot. Well, listen, uh, good luck, uh, you know, September 26th against uh, Dominic Reyes for the light heavyweight belt. Uh, it's great. Yeah. You definitely deserve it. And uh, this is a Thank fight you. that everybody is looking forward to. You guys are the co-main for uh, Adesanya Costa. So this is what a great night of fights that's going to be. And, uh, you know, stay safe and healthy, and we'll see you on the other side of it. Thank you. Thank All you. Right. Also, be healthy. All right, Thank Jan. Take you. care. Thanks, Bye. buddy. You know, it's so funny, man, because you see these guys in the cage, Jimmy, and you know this all too well. And even when he's sitting there filling with the phone, and they look intimidating and sh- like they're animals. And what a nice sweetheart. Big Polish sweetheart. The UFC guys are, are almost all, or I should say MMA in general, uh, is, yeah. is one, one of the things I started liking about the sport was that guys would come on the radio show and I would interview them and I always liked them. They were always yeah. nice guys. You guys were always way more humble than other athletes. Um, and, and I always just enjoyed talking to fighters. I just, I always thought uh, really not nearly as arrogant as they could be. Just, just quiet, humble guys. Are you segueing into how we met Jimmy and became friends? Well, it was on the radio the first time yes, I met you. Yes, it was. Correct? Yeah, it Opie was. and Anthony. I was on there twice. So I met, I remember each time afterwards, I don't know if you wanted to take a picture or something in the hallway, but you, and you were always nice. And then one time I saw a little bird flying around a UFC and it was Jimmy. <laughs> it was at a buffet. You were with that nice, you had a nice girlfriend. At she, the was my, my, uh, well, she was friend. my, my, she was, Jen yeah. was my ex at the time. I think we were in Vegas yeah. And she's my, my closest friends. 
and I saw you and I'm like, I, I'm so bad at being socially comfortable. Like I'm, I'm really socially, I suck. But I'm like, no, I like Matt. I'm going to go say hi yeah. to him. Like, I never say hi to people because I'm always like, I, don't I was talk so happy you did. I was so happy you did. And then when I was leaving, I, I, I forgot who I was with. But I seen you and then you, and you're with, and you, you were like facing us. You get like a smile. And I go, I like that little Jimmy. I do. And I didn't even know you that well, Jimmy. Nope. You know? And then not long after, Dana called me and I had no idea that they were doing a podcast. And that was how it, how it, uh, Look at that, Jimmy. Yeah, Look it's crazy, right? How many years? And, and, and Antonio, find out how long we've been doing this podcast for. I got the memory of a goldfish, and Jimmy thinks it's only been a couple of years. It's been long. Oh, believe me, it feels long. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get John Gooden on. <laughs> John Gooden. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. What's going on? How are we doing? We're good, buddy. How are you? Where are you right now? I'm uh, near my country retreat. No, I wish I had a country retreat. So I'm in um, Norfolk, which is a different way to you guys pronounce it, on the very east coast of England. It's like a seaside place. So yeah, we're here with some friends and I'm in a car park trying to find some, some, uh, some 4G to speak to you guys. Yeah, because I saw where the steering wheel was. Uh, that is the steering wheel, right? I, I'm like, there's no way you're in Virginia with the steering wheel right there. No, I'm right there. I'm right there behind the steering wheel. Where do you reside, John? Where do you live? You live in England? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like 30 minutes north of London. Okay. Now, as a guy that only visited and, and you know, seen European vacation with Chevy Chase, let me ask you a question. Is it as gloomy as, it's, as, it, as they make it out to be? Where's the day? <laughs> I see some sunshine there. Come on. This is, right now, it's so grim. Uh, we went out on a boat this morning and it was raining. We made the best of it. No, in Europe, near the Mediterranean, the weather is beautiful, like too hot. My neighbours went down uh, for their, to, um, where'd they go, Cyprus? And it was like 40-something degrees, which is over 100. Uh, so not everywhere, but the UK's, very changeable, shall we say. And we get a lot of rain, a lot of grey clouds, a lot of wind. It makes us tougher for it, you know? <laughs> it sure does. But let me ask you now. Uh, you know, in, 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 uh, here in the States, I don't know, what do they say, Seattle, Jimmy? There's a place that's very groomy, gloomy. Pacific, and they're like, Pacific what, Northwest, yeah. Whatever Seattle, it was, and they're like, oh, this, the suicides there are crazy because yep. the sun never comes out and everybody's depressed. I don't hear everybody in London over there killing themselves. Tell me, is that is that is that going on over there? No. 
You know what? I mean, obviously, it, not a joking matter, and, and I don't. That? I don't really hear it so much in in London. I think it's quite a, London's quite an affluent area, despite all the pressures of fast paced living. But in Scandinavia, that is a real thing. And yeah. uh, funny enough, a, a guy that w- was fighting over in Fight Island, Matt Kwan Amirkani, I was talking to him about it because there's a lot of a lot of people have fled war zones like uh, Iran, Iraq, and they've found themselves in Scandinavia, places like Finland. And just stuff like, we all know vitamin D is, is, a, is a genuine thing. If you lack vitamin D, then your moods go down. And he had, he was telling me stories of fr- friends that had taken their own lives and things like that, heartbreaking stuff. And it, yeah, it's true to the statistics of Scandinavia having quite a lot of those, those suicide rates because, you know, in, in the winter, the sun just, you know, peeps out for a couple of hours and goes away again. It's, yeah, it's pretty tough. There's a name for it. It's like seasonal affected disorder. Like people really get that from, uh, I know at least in Seattle, I've heard that term where it was like people just get like, like maybe it is lack of vitamin D. Yeah. And I get, if you're not, I'm guessing this by the way, but I would imagine if, if you're not from there originally, then genetically, I don't know, maybe your vitamin D levels need to, you need more and and therefore it's you need to be supplementing that if you're from like a really hot climate and you've emigrated to somewhere like finland where it's really far north and they it's beautiful but yeah in the winter you barely see any sunlight a bit like where uh, gunnar nelson's from that that place gets like one or two hours of sunlight in the winter oh shit really where gunnar nelson's from yeah man but you i tell you what a stunning place is iceland right Oh yeah, it is like nowhere else in the world. I mean, I'm not saying I've traveled extensively, but I've been there a few times now and it's incredible. And the gym that they've built, because there's nothing to do apart from be inside, because no one wants to go out because it's so cold. Everyone trains and everyone in in Reykjavik trains at Molnir Gym. So don't mess with anyone on the streets of Reykjavik because they (laughs) like a minimum blue belt under Gunnar Nelson by now. I, I went there once. Did you ever go to the hot springs there? Uh, there's, yeah. there's that natural hot spring. And, and the floor is all gooey. It feels like you're stepping in like uh, spinach. Yeah. Like the silicon. It's the silicon stuff. Yeah. So I took, I took my dad there, right? So that's normally reserved as like a romantic spot that uh, <laughs> go to. And it was my dad's 60th birthday. And he doesn't do a lot of traveling. My mum would only really go to a beach. But my dad, he kind of likes the weather a little bit more different. So I took him there and yeah, it was a bit weird going there with your dad, but, and you know, he was rubbing the silicon on his bald head and yeah. it was pretty cool. It like, again, it, never seen anything like it in my life. So it was an experience. The hot springs, you're saying? The hot springs. In, in, how, in how hot is it? Yeah. Is it like, ooh, how hot is it? Hot enough to be very comfortable in the water when it's like negative, ridiculous outside. Oh, it's like a, a freaking hot tub out there. Like you yeah. go out there when it's cold. Oh, yeah. Well, but naturally, because of all of the the volcanic stuff that goes on around there, it, it keeps it warm. Now, totally changing the subject. You you were working with Dan Hardy when he had that little altercation with Herb Dean, or no? Were yes. So, oh, yeah. Awkward. <laughs> How was that when you were there? <laughs> I love. I get along with Dan Hardy very well. I know him way back. So. 
I kind of, I, I respected that he stood up for it, but because of no audience, it was a weird yeah. dynamic going on there. For people that don't know, I should maybe set up the scene here. Uh, Herb Dean uh, did not stop a fight, I guess, quick enough to the liking of uh, Dan Hardy, who was being an analyst that night. Uh, and I thought Dan was right as far as the fight up. He stopped quicker. I, yes. I felt like he should have stopped quicker too. I yeah. Right. But because there's no crowd, it was very... It's not, I'm not going to say unprofessional, but it felt weird. I guess there's a few layers to this, right? So first of all, it was the second time around where we all thought that Herb hadn't really pulled the trigger in stopping a fight. There was another fight earlier on, one of the, I think the heavyweight fight, if my memory serves me correctly. And the guy was just, he was getting a shelling. And we're like, oh, that probably could have been stopped uh, a little earlier. But it probably wasn't as dramatic as the next one with Trinaldo and Jai Herbert. And then, you know, Trinaldo floors Jai. Jai looks like he's kind of out, flash knockout maybe. Trinaldo's standing over him, looks over at Herb, and Herb just kind of is like, you know, carry on. So Trinaldo did, and, and both Felder and Dan um, were calling for the fight to be stopped. And I guess because, because it was without a crowd, Herb could hear that. But then, you know, I've, this, uh, listen, it's not the first time an analyst has ever shouted that, but I guess because the crowd isn't in play and there doesn't, there's not an underlying, uh, an underlying level of noise, then the referee heard that quite clearly. So then Herb started engaging with Dan whilst he was in the octagon, like going over to him and like asking him what, you know, what's up type thing. And Dan and him were, were kind of just saying something. And then they both kind of said, let's talk about it after. Like, and we all guess, we all thought he meant after the event. But then Dan, I don't, I don't think it, my memory doesn't serve me very well these days. I think I've, I've been punching the face a lot too much as well. These fighters, uh, they, they got a much better excuse than I have. I think what basically happened then was Dan, maybe it was a, a fight after that one. Dan was stood up to turn around to do a post-fight interview. And Herb came over to us, sort of into our broadcast position. Now, Matt will know that there's, there's a little bit of space between the apron of the octagon and where the commentators are because of this whole distancing thing. So Herb was the guy that approached Dan Dan's about to do a an interview, and then you know, so it was it was very unfortunate. You know, I I, I think Herb maybe thought that because Dan was stood up, he was maybe going to you know go to the restroom or something like that. I don't know, but maybe Herb shouldn't have come over to Dan. Maybe Dan shouldn't have used that opportunity to speak to Herb. But at the same time, you know, we don't re the referees are in an entirely different hotel. And Dan is so, so passionate. Like his, his heart and mind is, in the, is completely in the right place with this. He wants the best for the sport. And sometimes it doesn't matter whether he's on a broadcast, whether he's at home in his, in his front room. You know, he will say what he thinks is right in defense of fighters' safety and everything else. And I didn't realize that he came over to you guys. I'm glad you said that because the way the – the way the story is reported and you can never believe it is that, you know, Herb is doing something and Dan Hardy jumps up like a maniac. And that didn't make sense. This makes perfect sense. No, I mean, Dan, Dan and Paul reacted. Herb heard that. But then after the fact, Herb came over to, to the broadcast position and started engaging with Dan at that point. You know, Dan 
would have been there are no, no breaks you know there's no there's no breaks in our it's a marathon commentary gig you know we don't have time to we move on very quickly and we were going to maybe talk about it in the post show and then her came over and and then we we all know what kind of transpired it's funny because in the past like you heard you would hear joe rogan say stuff that could be if the ref heard it might be like, you know, Hey man, mind your business. You know, it's, it's a different time now. It's very, people got to get used to this whole no audience thing. It's right. a little, I mean, listen, it's, it's, it's so funny because it goes for the fighters too and they can do what they like. But uh, who was it the last time that said, yeah, listen to Bisping when he said something about the low blows or something. Oh, it's funny. Yeah. Like, tw- Oh, that was Dustin Poirier. Yeah. Uh, was it? I don't I remember, mean, but I remember the moment. I, I don't remember yes. who said it. But it's funny. It's a different, it's a different type thing that I think, Everybody's kind of got to get used to, you know. It's just unfortunate because I like, you know, I'm glad it's better now. Yeah, it was Poirier the same here, but uh, I like all parties involved. I like Dan and Herb is one of the referees I like better, even though he stood me up at Lytle back in the day. But uh, <laughs> there was a lot of backlash from it, if I'm honest. And and I grew up, and so did Dan to a certain extent, because we're a smaller space. Like we've grown up in the sport with a lot of these officials. Like I. Before the UFC, I was doing a lot of Cage Warriors stuff with judges and referees, and we've all grown up in the sport. We've all seen passion. We all know that we're we're pulling in the same direction. So we like I personally, I, I'm very very careful before I pass judgment at a referee or a judge. I've done it in the past. I've got it wrong. I've I've apologised personally, and it's an entirely different situation to this one. I, I need to, you know, draw a line in the sand there. So, so Dan isn't the kind of guy who is just out there to try and cause trouble. Something must have triggered him that he saw in his mind. And, you know, and then he went back and, and explained yeah. himself further. So, yeah, it was just... It, it, as long yeah. as he's still got a job and everything's good. Yeah, we like Dan. The guy <laughs> is, when it comes to, to breaking down fights and analysis... He goes further than anyone else I know. And we have the best of the best in our sport, you know, in the octagon and, and also behind the microphone. But Dan lives and breeds this to the point where he'll, he'll embody a, a fighter through the gloves and, and just use the bag and, and try and be that fighter to understand them a bit more before our inside the octagon shows. Like nothing but respect for the way that uh, Dan approaches his analysis work. And I'm interested in the fact that referees stay at a different hotel. It never occurred to me that they would put the refs up at a different hotel, but I guess they have to. Well, no, I, no that's not always. It's just on yeah. Fight Island. I think they want to reserve the one of the hotels where all of the interviews and media and all that kind of stuff gets done so it's easier for the fighters. And maybe that doesn't leave enough space for the referees. But also, I'm, as I said, I've grown up with judges and referees, etc. Sometimes they like to be a little bit separate. So that no one can ever can ever point the finger and say, "I saw you having a beer at the bar with such right. and such." Gotcha. Yeah. I don't, and if someone didn't like a stoppage, then you know, with all fairness to these referees, they they kind of help themselves by keeping themselves away from from other people, uh, like the athletes and the teams. Yeah, John, you said you did cage wars. Used to be the. Uh... You used to work for them as far as with the uh, the broadcasting thing. What what did you do? Any other sports or no? As in broadcast wise? Yes, yes, as broadcast. Yeah. I I fell into this. Like I harbored uh, ambitions of being like a TV presenter when I was in my early twenties. I tried oh. it at the BBC in something entirely different, but just shelved it. But then martial arts is like I was on the mat since I was about seven. 
oh. did amateur boxing, like the amateur boxing thing is when I was at university around sort of 19. And then MMA, found, I found MMA like way later on in my late 20s and early 30s. And I was just working in the scene and found my way to Cage Warriors. And that's when I started to work behind a microphone. So oh. my first job as a commentator was for my coach's own show back in Watford, the Coliseum, where I would run around the locker room as guys, amateurs were getting their hands wrapped and going, look, dude, you've got to walk out. There's obviously no sure dog record at the time i'm not even sure there was a great deal on like youtube or facebook like what do you do why are you doing this etc so i've i've really kind of had to learn the sport at, sorry the commentary gig through mma i haven't hijacked this from from something else i am completely organically developed uh, through mixed martial arts i'm, I'm amazed with guys who can call because i think john anik who's such a also a great great um, analyst, you know, it, it comes from baseball and football. Like, I'm fascinated by anybody who can watch a sport and intelligently break it down, um, especially something like fighting, which has so much anticipation of, uh, of when guys are on the ground, what they're trying to avoid, what they're trying to accomplish. You know, with baseball, it's like we all know what he's doing. You threw the ball and he's trying to fucking hit it. That's baseball. But in, in fighting, it's you have to describe what's going on on the floor, what a guy's motivation is for doing certain things about underhooks and head movement. It's a really difficult one to call, I think. I mean, I'll, I'll agree, of course, you know. it's uh, the <laughs> most But I only say that. I don't really know any difference, if I'm honest, guys. Like, Anik tells me that it, that it is. And I understand with soccer, it's 45 minutes each half. So you'll know that you've got to you got to top and tail it, maybe fill some air in the middle. But that's about it. And the only thing that, that sort of frustrates me a little bit, and it's, this is an ego thing, in the UK, I don't think big sports networks really understand mixed martial arts or the UFC product as well as they do stateside. So they don't really respect our roles as commentators as much as they would do uh, in North America, which means those opportunities for me to try my hand at something else haven't presented themselves many many times but to be honest like I don't want to go anywhere I, I want to do this until I can't talk anymore so yeah. it's just yeah as I say it's just an ego thing and I, and I feel like we do have a hard job as we were alluding to earlier those nights in Fight Island were nine hour stretches when you include Shit. the post and you're running to the bathroom to, to you know when a nature call so it's it's a tough gig but uh, at the same time, I don't know any different. I've grown up doing this. I was calling up to 20 fight, fight cards, amateur pro stuff, and, and I just love every minute of it. Let me ask you, what, do you, what would you like it, uh, this as a platform to jump, jump into? What would you like to go into next? Like you're saying, it could, like, because it's not as, I'm not going to say well-respected, but you said it's not as popular, I guess, in the, in, um, the UK as it is over in the States. What doors would you like it to open? Like voice work or, or like you said, presenter work? Or what would you? Honestly, Matt, I'm happy. I, I yeah. genuinely, what I would like to do is I would like to be, a. would like to see mixed martial arts be spoken of alongside other mainstream sports in the UK. And it would be wonderful if, if I can help it through presentations, through producing features, through own personal projects. Like Dan and I, Dan Hardy and I are very aligned on, on our goals in that. We're trying to give the microphone and, and j just tell the story because 
it, our athletes don't get the respect that they deserve uh, internationally. And I would just want to be a piece of that and, and help that come about. In terms of other stuff, look, I actually like the producing work that I do for the UFC and I'd like to do some of my own personal projects. I've done a couple of sort of days where I followed like Darren Till. I did one with Jack Shaw not too long ago, Arnold Allen. I'd like to do more of those on a personal level. But really there's so many, there's so much unmined stories, un stuff and stories and features within mixed martial arts that right now I'm, I can't see there's any room or time to do anything else. So I'm, I'm happy. I'd love to be a, like become a great broad, well recognized by other great British broadcasters, but because it's within mixed martial arts and that means mixed martial arts needs to be up there first. And, and John, you know, it's funny. You said the athletes don't get the respect. Matt and I, uh, are both big fans of Leon Edwards. And we don't think that Leon, maybe because, again, he's such a nice guy and, and, and a, and a soft-spoken guy, we don't think he gets the respect he deserves as far as, I mean, you know, fighters know how good he is, but, I mean, I, I would love to see more happening for him. Uh, I, I think he's a very, very underrated guy. I mean, I know he's number three, but I, I think that he should be uh, featured a lot more and, and much more publicly known than he is. Yeah, I, and I, I really don't know what, more he needs to do i mean he's been a little inactive now and i and i genuinely don't know the reasons for that but i would imagine that they are like genuine reasons i guess this this coronavirus thing is has affected every nation sure. differently sometimes geographically like we're not jiu-jitsu classes aren't open in the uk still you can't just rock up and you know just work out it's only reserved for elite uh, athletes and the people that they need in order to get their, the, the elite person ready. So I know that, uh, that that would have been tricky for Leon with the first uh, Fight Island setup. Leon is, um, Leon is uh, the thing I respect about Leon is he, he wants to be who he is. He doesn't want to be contrived. He's got an incredible story. The BT Sport, who are the, the UFC partner in the UK, they actually told it. It was a bit like the... Uh, like the Fight Law series, where they did some animations and they spoke about Leon's uh, roots in Jamaica, and and it was very tricky. Like his his dad was involved in some pretty sketchy stuff, and then they came over to to London, and and that kind of followed with, and then his mum moved up to Birmingham. And, and I mean, I've, I've probably even told the story a little wrongly, uh, incorrectly. But one thing I, I would say is it took. Leon's management, a lot of persuasion to even allow Leon to tell that story because he's a private man. And he kind of says that that's my story, my struggle. I'd, he doesn't want to be like typecast in that way. And, and also the kind of, he was on the streets and he's a tough guy. Like I've been down the gym and a lot of the guys around him say that he's the real deal, not only in the cage, but but before he, he turned his life around and, and became a professional elite athlete, like Leon's life could have gone the whole other way. So he gets the respect off of, off of everyone, if you like. But he won't talk about that because he believes that a man's business should remain a man's business and not be shared. And again, it might be a cultural thing, but that's just the way he is. If you follow his brother, his brother fights for Bellator. He'll get up on the stage at a weigh-in and he's right up in people's grills. He's, you know, pointing a finger. He's quite loudly spoken. But Leon 
will will be in the background. But if it goes down, like people, you won't. Not many people will step to Leon, and it's just it's quite fascinating. Of course, I think that way because I'm a storyteller. But I wouldn't have told you that unless Leon had given the green light for BT Sport to have told that story, because it was obviously private to him, and it. And I think people are twisting his arm to make him speak a little bit more so that more opportunities come his way. But really, Leon is a true martial artist, professional, who just wants to do his job, get better, and be a very positive role model for the, the people of Birmingham, like young folk in Birmingham, you know, young black men in Birmingham as well, and also for Jamaica. And, and I think he has a very important role. And I, and I respect him wholeheartedly for staying true to what he feels is, is his truth. Yeah. And the good thing is, but when people hear that stuff or they hear where you came from or they hear the way, there's a lot of people who relate to that. And I think it helps in, in a way that he might not even know it helps. It probably is inspirational to people that might think, ah, this is just, this is where I'm going and there's nothing that can be done about it. And he's not some uh, you know, detached observer. He's a guy that lived it and almost went down that road. So maybe that would be really helpful to other people. And maybe he never thought of it that way, but he's probably helping more people than he realizes. Well, and I think that's what, uh, and I know that's what his management communicated to him. And I actually did a, a feature with him. I don't think it aired because the London show got canceled. So it was pre um, Edwards Woodley. And I went out to his, his high school with him because I do some producer work for the UFC. And they they invited in like a full hall, like a hundred kids or more to listen to, to Leon's story, tell his story. Then, then we had a little Q and A and he means a great deal. His, his, his face is on the wall there as someone that these kids can look up to. There have been other uh, musicians and athletes that have come from this school as well. So Leon can stand side by side with other people um, in the public eye. And I think we should be very proud of that as, you know, uh, stakeholders in the mixed martial arts community. Well, I mean, listen, I'm no producer, but if I had to hype up a fight and I have the, you have this background for Leon, we all know Masvidal's background, right. fighting in the streets with Kimbo in the streets of uh, Miami. This could be a very, very exciting, like, matchup as far as just the stories, their backgrounds. Because people yeah. don't know this about Leon. If he's open about it and they're talking about it in the UK, I mean, this is the first time I'm hearing any of this, Jimmy. And yeah. we like and we love Leon. Yeah, we, we, like, do. we like him as a fighter. I think he should share that story. The UFC should hype that up. And I want to see him versus Masvidal. The guy, they had that 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 street beef where he gave him the three piece and the soda. And that pretty much took Masvidal to the next level as right. far as man, this guy is real and look what he did. And But you never let Leon get his, you know, get some payback. Put this, I mean, I, who the hell wouldn't want to see them fight? That's the fight I want to see. And the scary thing is that I was, I was there. I, I was there at that, that event. I called those fights. And I had just gone backstage after we'd wrapped and I saw Masvidal, literally this had, this had happened five seconds before, Masvidal had been ushered back to where I was walking up and I spoke to Masvidal. Masvidal looked like he was waiting for a bus as I was talking to him about what had just happened. Like the guy had just had a, another fight, you know, unsanctioned street fight, if you like, in inverted commas. And he was just like, yeah, I just, you know, yeah, me and Leon just, just got into it. And, it, and it, like his heart rate hadn't raised one little bit, which blew my mind. And then Leon, when I speak to Leon about it now, he's like, yeah, well, you know, 
on the street in a car park or, or, or in a cage, we'll get it done. And again, he's like flatlining. These two are cold killers. Yeah. And we need to make it happen. They both want it. I know that they do. Um, I know that Masvidal's stock has risen, but they can sell that fight. And, and it would, I'd like to see it for Leon. I think it would help people understand him a little bit more. But, and of course, it's all at the end of the day, this is about putting the best against the best. And they're two of the best. And before we let you go, to we, we, we talked to, uh, we just talked to Jan Blahovic. Uh, what, what do you think of uh, this matchup with, uh, with Reyes? And, and, you know, people talk about John jumping uh, Francis to fight Stipe. I, I, would, you know, I would think that they should give John another fight in the heavyweight division. I mean, I don't make those decisions, but I would think that he should have to fight one person before he gets to Stipe and, and leapfrogs in Francis. Yeah, well, I was out, I was out with uh, Jan in Poland uh, doing the countdown shoot. And yeah, it was great to see get this opportunity again. He's a he's just a hardworking martial artist, you know. Quite, uh, he's got a great personality, but you're never going to get him trash talking, really. But you you got to understand Polish mixed martial arts. It's they have about five million people watch MMA on TV for their local promotion over there. It is huge, and when you are uh, a big star over there. It's, it's a big deal. And they like, they like big men. They like the heavyweights. They have, you know, I don't always agree with some of the big headliners that they have, but it attracts a lot of attention. And now they have potentially have a really big male star. I think that it could elevate the sport even higher back in Poland after uh, Joanna Jungzic obviously did such an incredible job becoming a champion, flying the flag for Poland. But I, but I think that we can build off of that if, if Jan or, or Poland, Polish mixed martial arts will build off of that if Jan is, is victorious. And the world has stood still over there. The sporting world has stood still since Jan has been called up for this fight. So it is really, really big news over there. And uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. And, uh, and John leaving the division, um, I, I mean, again, we'll never know his total. Maybe he just wants a bigger... And I don't say this in a, you know, a bigger payday. I don't, I don't even say that in a bad way. It's just, it, you know, it's, it's a job. Uh, and he may see some uh, names like Stipe at the top. Um, have you heard anything about him? Uh, because now I'm hearing, well, maybe he will be getting the, the, the title shot. Dana had indicated that he does kind of deserve it. Well, I thought I heard Dana say that no one's going to leapfrog uh, Ngannou. Uh, so, I, but I don't know how long uh, Jones is going to take before he actually steps in as a heavyweight. And I think as someone who has got such a long career, and th this is of no disrespect to anyone else at 205, I think it's been a marquee division for the UFC yeah. for a long time. And everyone who's in a top top 10 are elite. But you've got to think he's, he's been sat there for a very, very long time. And when you consider his most recent performances to some of those prior to some of his indiscretions, maybe he maybe he's looking to change things up to see what, what new levels he can bring out of himself. Going up to, to heavyweight is automatically a huge headline for us fans. Sure. We want to see how the greatest, of, you know, potentially the greatest of all time does. So, I mean, I'm excited whenever I see John Jones on a card. Whoever they get him to fight would be awesome. There's Brock Lesnar has been you know, talked about uh, big names everywhere, but just John Jones going up to heavyweight is, 
what's it going to look like? You know, I, I'm very excited to see how it plays out. It's also scary to me if you, I mean, because Jones, as we all know how amazing he is, to, to have your first fight, I mean, potentially, if, if, if he doesn't, if it's a championship fight and Stipe and Ngannou uh, fight, and let's just say Ngannou wins the second uh, meeting, I mean, Jones' first fight at heavyweight against Ngannou, like, what, a, what a terrifying first fight at that weight to have to deal with. But you're, when, I don't know, I don't, I don't think John Jones would agree. I think yeah, of course he, not. <laughs> he definitely wouldn't. <laughs> and we, a lot of us think that he is the great. He's currently the, the pound for pound in the rankings. He is in the conversation for sure of one of the greatest to ever do it. Yeah. And I feel like he probably thinks that he'll be able to be any single individual that walks this, this planet. Well, I mean, technically he never lost ever. I mean, that whole Matt, Matt Hamill, <laughs> that's the, is, wait. Matt Hamill. I got confused with him and Mark Hamill. With, uh, yeah, Matt Hamill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so the, with the dumb Star Wars guy. But with the fucking downward elbows and everything. It's all bullshit. So he's undefeated. I say whoever has the belt, uh, whether it's Francis, Francis, Stipe, whatever, John Jones should get an immediate title shot because the dude did enough. What the hell? Okay. What the hell? Doing? What, is he going to prove himself? That he's a yeah. good fighter at heavyweight? Guy's one of the best ever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I 100% agree. We see we see other contenders move around divisions and yeah. they get their immediate title shot. Jose Aldo. You know, Conor McGregor was was there as yeah. uh, if I just yeah, you cannot deny that he hasn't earned it in the octagon. So, yeah, uh, sign me hey, up. Take hey John, John, am I the uh, Jimmy, am I the only yeah. guy that think it's weird? That fucking Anderson Silva wants to fight Conor McGregor. What the fuck is that? It's money. I mean, it's just smart. It's is. two giant names. No, but dude, yeah, but it's a giant versus a fucking little yeah. guy. I mean, I, what the yeah. fuck is that? I don't care how old he is. I like Anderson Silva. I do. I'm not attacking a guy. But the guys he likes to call out now, and I know he's older. Maybe he deserves a maybe a, a, a lighter fight. I don't know. But, I mean, he's like, I remember he wanted to fight Nick Diaz again for a while. And then he wants to fight Conor McGregor. So what the fuck you doing? I mean, listen, Jay, listen. Hey, goat, what the fuck you doing? I don't know. He saw a GSP I, did. Sometimes I just think out loud, Johnny. <laughs> did I not? Uh, he was prompted, though. Like, I might be wrong here, but I feel like someone asked him if he would fight Connor rather than him sitting there and right. just you know, on someone's show and go, I want Connor McGregor. Because I think, I don't know. It was an English interview as well, if, I, if okay. I've got that wrong. And he's probably not going to turn it again. Is he going to turn down anyone? No. No. No, listen. I'm not saying the guy's looking for easy fights. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying he's calling out the little guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? But anyway, whatever. He Listen, he put his foot in Vita Belford's face, whatever. He can do what he likes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Johnny. Hey, yeah. man. What else, Jimmy? Anything else before we No, and this was great. We, we uh, appreciate you coming on. And uh, we, you're really you're so good at what you do. And uh, I, I always love when you're calling the fight. And um, what's your what's your next one? What's the next fight you're calling? I'm going out to Fight Island, I guess. Woo! I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the call up on that one. Uh, and yeah, good to go. You know, I'm I'm well rested now, so it's time to to get these these vocals out there again. Do you get it like like the rest of us do with other parts of of our careers? Do you ever get like if you hear somebody else doing a fight? Do you ever hear like, well, I, I could have, I could have done that one. Like what, 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 like that's two in a row for him. Am I like, like, do you ever get that feeling too? Like you're afraid they're going to squeeze you out? No, 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 no. Oh God. I don't say things like that. 
God, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. No, I... <laughs> We've got an incredible team. I have a great relationship with uh, with Anik. I've um, like Brendan. I see Brendan on the road quite a lot as well. We tend to kind of one does the desk, one does commentary. There's enough to go around. Uh, yep. So I'm happy with my lot. I'm happy that the UFC will allow me to put how I feel mixed martial arts should be kind of expressed from a play by play point of view on the airwaves, and I'm, I'm grateful for that spot. And I will continue to to keep improving and um, and and show up. Your excitement for the sport, like how much you really love it, is very obvious when you're commentating. You know, it, it's obvious that you really love what you're watching, um, and that's why I think I enjoy you so much. Yeah, you can Thank think you. that. I, I, all, all the way out, like I've got teammates that are that have got big fights coming up, and I I just want to get in there. I, I still enjoy the sparring. It's very important to me to keep training, develop the language. Uh, 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 yeah, just the full pack, all of it, you know, 360. I've been in this a long time now and I need to continue that despite my, you know, my aging body because uh, it's a beautiful sport, man, and there's a long way to go. And and we got a lot of good people coming up behind the microphone that want my job. So I got to I got to keep on progressing. Fuck yeah. All right, well, John, yeah, yeah, Jimmy's, a- even, Jimmy's even training now. Jimmy Rivera took him on I, as a student. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just, everybody else is having such a good time with it. I might as well go in there and, and, and you know, and learn how to defend myself on the subway. There you go. Good talking to you, John. And, um, you know, hopefully you stay healthy and uh, we'll, we'll see you soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate right, it. Take John. care, man. Be good. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. What are you doing, Jimmy? Watching you, Chase Hooper uh, retweeted something. Uh, what was it, Jimmy? I believe you were upset that somebody was criticizing. Uh, yeah. Um, Mark Lane Gracie. Yeah, Jimmy, I have a hard time biting my tongue. Yeah. Ah. So now, did, now, uh, did you guys ever? What did he say about... Uh, what, what did Chase say about it? He, he just retweeted it. He goes, uh, he said, there's a lot of, definitely a lot of expert swimmers who have never jumped in the pool out there. He was backing <laughs> you up. He liked it. Oh, thank you, Chase. Yeah, good, he's, Chase. He's, Chase is a good well, The story behind that is that there was, we didn't, that guy, Mark Lehman, was one of the uh, coaches, like an assistant coach or whatever. Because yeah. like, we, we had a, a group of, our, our season of tough, of uh, the Ultimate Fighter season four, was called the comeback. So we were all vets. We were all guys that sure. been in people. Myself, Team Thomas, 
Chris Lytle. So they didn't give us like two set coaches. They gave us like a few like guys that were there to just help assist us. And he was one of them, a jiu-jitsu guy. And he just wasn't, he wasn't my type of guy, Jimmy, right. at all. I still, I think the guy still think the guy's a tool, but I never, and he was just one of those guys that he never, and he, he's a, a very, he was a very good jujitsu guy, but he never fought. And yet it's okay. You, there should be some, you should be, you should, there should be some professionalism when you're a coach on the ultimate fighter. And you're talking about a legend like Hoist Gracie who just lost to Matt Hughes and he's talking shit about the guy. And then he's saying that he was talking about it in the parking lot and almost got to a fight because he was happy about it. He's doing your typical idiot. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I, you know, whatever. I didn't think it was right. And I brought it up to his ass, you know, and <laughs> I regret nothing. Did you guys ever speak again about it or, or was nah, it? He's, dude, he's not my type of guy. Okay. You, know? you know who he gets along with great? Ben Askren. <laughs> he's he Askren's jujitsu coach. Okay. Now, and Ben's funny because, and I can see that because they kind of got the same kind of attitude. I like Ben though. Ben's more of a, yeah. like a sarcastic type, whatever. But I can see them guys getting along. It's funny, you know. And, and he's a, uh, and he, but he's a good jujitsu guy. Yes, he's a good jujitsu guy. So I think Ben, when we talked, to, I heard Ben recently saying that somebody asked him what he would do differently, and he said he really, if he would have got together with Mark Lehman earlier. It could be, it might have helped his career because he's good at jujitsu. So listen, I'm not knocking the guy. The guy is good in jujitsu, but he should have had some tact. With, you know, you're talking about a legend like Hoyce Gracie. Meanwhile, you're a young black belt in jujitsu, but yet you're afraid to get hit, so you don't get into you don't take a fight. So you're, you're talking about a legend. You know what I mean? It's one of those things, Jimmy. Yeah. Okay. People annoy me, but thank you, Chase. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah. I was happy to see that. There's a lot of there are a lot of people like that that. They're afraid to get in there, and they uh, they talk some shit. Jimmy, let's talk some stuff about the fights. I really, really enjoyed the. Um, I did too. Some of those wins, some of those submission wins the other night. You know, yeah, you did. You so you like you enjoyed uh, Kelleher's uh, thirty nine <laughs> oh. second. It, now listen, you don't have to do a, a ton of tape on a guy, but if you know you're fighting a guy with a guillotine, like like like. Like he's got a guillotine up there, like Pedro Munoz. He's got one of those type guillotines where you leave your. It, it's it's a fight ending move for him. He yeah. gets that on. It's it's. There's not a lot of the guys getting out of it. You know what I mean? Right. So the fight, the fact that um, Ray Rodriguez went for that that double leg right away up against the cage is, you know, I mean, listen, hindsight's twenty twenty, Jimmy, but don't do that shit with a guy with a sick guillotine, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was probably not the. Uh... But we both picked him to win, so we'll take it. Let's go over our yeah. five picks, Jimmy. Uh, we both took uh, De La Rosa by decision. Well, you heard what I said about hindsight, Jimmy. <laughs> we were, we were yeah. incorrect. Listen. <laughs> we were very, we were um, oh, Andre Munez. Munez. What a what an excellent arm lock. What an excellent arm lock. Arn Fabizinski. Fabizinski. <laughs> Can you say that again? Say it again, Jimmy. Fabinski. Fabinski. Yeah. What a beautiful arm lock. It was an arm lock off the triangle of the head to the arm lock. Right. So he went for like a triangle. And what happens, the guy postures up. So when he postures up to get out of a triangle, he leaves himself open for that, that arm lock. And it, it's one of those that goes on so fast that it's almost like a scream. So he, he tapped immediately. And I love that arm lock. It's an arm lock that I personally – 
use a lot because I have short legs and people try to posture out of my, my triangles. So I either go arm lock or I switch it around to the other side to Uma Plata. Uma Plata, Jimmy. Yeah. Okay. So I love that. And I love seeing that black belt technique, you know? So I was in a, uh, you know, submission wonderland. I was loving it. You were. What did you think of Michelle Pereira? I mean, look, he was, it was a very, very dominant fight. He looked great. Um, he strikes me as a guy though. Like he's been around for a while. Oh, man. He's definitely taken some, some losses. Um, he's, Wait, you know, who are you talking about? You got the wrong guy. No, I don't. A Pereira. What's his record? He's been fighting for a long time. In the UFC? No, 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 no. But in, oh, in general. general. Okay. I'm I'll sorry. tell you his record I mean, in a I, second. I thought you meant his UFC career. No, 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 no. He's only had a few fights in the UFC. I, listen, I might have had this guy pegged wrong, Jimmy. I one time called him a back-flipping silly man. Right. Well, I, I think I might have. I, I owe this guy an, uh, an apology. Because he's doing his, he's, he, listen. Matt, he's 24 and 11. He's 24 and 11. He's had 35. Uh, fight. His his opponent, Zalim Amadev. Yeah. Let me tell you something. That guy with that guy was confident. Confident, Jimmy. He smacked him. What about him giving him a little open hand like smack at the weigh-ins? You seen that? Yeah. And then during the fight, now this is how you know this Pereira is, is talented. Because he kisses his hand like this. Not like that. That was kind of weird. But he gave a kiss, and he shows it, and then he gave like a fucking smack to him, Jimmy. He got him back for that smack at the uh, at the, at the little mush yeah. at the weigh-ins. So for him to be able to pull that off in a fight, I loved it. I am enjoying. I used to get irked by his by his um, antics. I'd be like, yeah. hey, come on, what are you doing? Yeah, antics are correct. Antics, but. I'm loving him now. He's dude. He was out striking Zellum, out striking him. I mean, that dude had some good hands, and he's very athletic. Yeah, he's unorthodox. He's a bit of a showman, but it's one thing if you're a showman and you're doing a Showtime kick and you're missing it. No, he's pulling the shit off. I'm enjoying the shit out of this guy. I am enjoying watching this guy fight. I was impressed with the Diego Sanchez fight. He looked very frightening in that fight. Yeah. And uh, I want to see what's next for him. And in the post-fight interview, he called out, he wants the BMF title. Yeah, against Masvidal. Called out Jorge Masvidal. Obviously, probably get a fight first or something, but I want to see what's next with him because he's looking amazing. The guy's looking great. And we've said it before, too, like because he was dropping his hands. And whenever guys do that, they're taunting the other guy. It, one of two ways. It's really interesting to me how a guy sometimes won't come forward because there's something like so awful about a guy's hands being down if you if you go to hit him and he hits you. And then you look at what Weidman did. Like, that can also work against somebody really horribly. Somebody, you know, fucking around in there, you know, makes that one mistake and Weidman wasn't afraid uh, to take full advantage of it. You know what I mean? Some guys, I think, are yeah. a little hesitant when they see that. Uh, I probably would be hesitant when I saw that, but you get look at a guy like Chris who wasn't. Uh, and, he, and he, you know, destroyed Anderson for it. Yeah, you know, that one I always tell people, like, look, because some people are like, oh, man, if Anderson wasn't kidding around, he did that thing. He does that in almost every fight he's ever fought yeah. in. So the only difference is it didn't throw Chris off at all. Like you're saying, he just went right after him and kept throwing until he landed. So it wasn't any 
it wasn't really a different Anderson or Anderson, you know, oh, he did something out of character, cost him the fight. No. He he does he did something he does every fight. The difference is when he was doing it and Longo's watching the tape with Chris and he say, Look, when he does that shit, go after him. Yeah. Fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Go right after him. Punch a hole in his chest. <laughs> All right. But Jimmy, I can't tell you how happy I am for over him. I listen, this is a, this is what I love about about mixed martial arts. Uh it was a very competitive fight. Yeah. That that, that it was a, because I'll tell you, um Sakai is uh where where the fuck is my hold on, let me get back. Oh, there it is. Ba, 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 ba. Sakai, that dude standing up, you hit that guy with a bat. He's still coming forward. Yeah, yeah. And he was having flurries. It might have been two two as far as rounds going into the fifth. Would you agree? It was like really close. It, it was, was close. It was cl- yeah. I mean, uh, Overeem. I mean, was it possibly? I'm trying to think about the second round. Um, Overeem did a great ground and pound at the end of the uh, at the end of the fourth. And I think at the end of the third too, maybe two two. Yeah. Now what won Overeem this fight is not only his experience, his well roundedness. Now. Those guys could fight all day long standing up. And I don't know, man, flip a coin. They were both having their moments on the feet. The difference of levels on the floor was uncanny. Standing up, man, I don't know. They're close. They're both laying in. They're having their moments. They're taking a shot. They're giving it. On the floor, it was like a black belt with a white belt with four stripes, possibly a blue belt. I don't know. We didn't see much. We saw a guy that was just trying to get up that did not know how to get up. Hey, listen, it's not easy. You got to over him knows how to keep a guy down. I loved his takedowns. Let somebody shit on those takedowns. They were, it was so cool because any, by any means necessary, get that fight to the floor. Right. And it's not like he pulled guard. He tripped him down. Like he pulled him almost on top of him and rolled right over him. It was just something that you would do with a guy with less experience. Maybe he's good at getting guys off single legs and whatnot. Maybe he's just going over that. He got him down untraditionally, Jimmy. Untraditional takedowns. You heard DC being like, you're never going to hear, you're never going to see that in a, a wrestling textbook or anything. Because it wasn't. It was up against the cage, and it was two takedowns. I want to see them both again. Because they were both, if somebody looked at that a wrestler, they'd be like, oh, what the hell was that? It's sloppy. It got him where he needed to be. Yep. And he went for, I believe, two takedowns, got them both. And once he was on the floor, it wasn't even close to Sakai getting back up. Right. It was a beating. It was a f- fucking beating, Jimmy. And the, and the way he was lining up his elbows, oh. like the way he was Ooh. almost measuring with the hand and then dropping and then measuring and then dropping. It, it was, it was it really was great. pushing the head and snapping down that elbow. Yeah. And over him had a brutal, brutal ground and pound. Yeah. And it shows, man, guys, you know, they could be be standing up. And it's that old saying, you know, you the the the, the lion's the king of the jungle, you throw him in the uh, the water and you don't know how to swim, the shark's gonna fucking eat him, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's what it looked like with Sakai. Sakai, from now to your next camp, your next fight, elbow escaping sweeps up and over his oompas don't i wouldn't even concentrate on getting this guy better at submissions i would concentrate on 
not being anybody hold him down, getting all escaping from mount, escaping from cross side, escaping from half guard. He needs he needs a, we saw a weakness there. We you know what I mean? Yeah. Anybody that fights Sakai again is gonna go okay, is gonna go, okay, stand it up. I'm in for a long night. Let's get this to the floor. So, you know, heads up, Sakai. Well, Overeem great, took him great deep fight, too. Yeah, a really great fight, and Overeem fought a really smart fight. But Sakai was uh, his cardio was better than I thought it would be. Like I, I like I didn't. He he had way better cardio than I thought, and he looked better in the third and fourth round than I than I than I expected him to. Um, and I, and I think he probably I'm gonna guess he had better uh, wind than uh, Alistair expected him to because I we kind of knew he was gonna take him into the third, fourth, and fifth round. I mean that's kind of what obvious obvious that he wanted to do. It, you know, my thing is. If he would have pushed for the, he wasn't really looking for the takedowns early over him, if I remember correctly. He looked like he was standing right. He wasn't going for yeah. any takedowns. Yeah, early. he was just kind of, he was just kind of yeah, stalking man. him, uh, just, just kind of picking him. his shots. Yeah, because yeah. he was having moments too. They were both having stuff standing up. But when you see the difference, I wonder if he goes back and watches that. And he's like, ah, maybe I should have mushed him up against the cage in the first round. <laughs> Jimmy, 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 he got him down and it was scary. Yeah. It was fucking scary. It was like, dude, this is, yeah. what the fuck? Should have done this maybe a few rounds ago. But, hey, man, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the whole thing, Jimmy. And I so enjoy that we're having fights every weekend. Almost. Every I day. do, too. It's great. I love it. I, I absolutely love it. Normal, normalcy, you know, Jimmy? Yeah, every weekend. And, and, again, this is the beauty of it. If someone doesn't fight, uh, a couple guys have tested positive for COVID. Thiago Santos can't fight Teixeira because Teixeira's a positive test. You know it's going to get moved to, to, you know, a month from now, or you know that they're going to put together another fight because everybody is kind of just kind of circling, waiting for fights. So it's really it's interesting to see the matchups that are being made when guys can't uh, compete. So um, I, I want to see that that Santos uh, to sheriff fight. I really want to see what uh, Tiago Santos looks like now after, after this long layoff. There's that, and I'll tell you, Glover at the young age of. Yeah. 40 maybe plus he's never looked better no he looked great you know? he's looking great. Fight, anthony right? smith anthony oh. smith i mean geez yeah holy shit man I, I i'm i love glover he's such a great fighter he's such a solid dude you know such a likable guy really jimmy uh Ovin uh saying prove oh, sure alonzo main of Menifield. yeah Menifield. let me tell you something let me tell you my outlook on this jimmy uh this is now I, i'm feeling i feel a little bit for alonzo because this is what I will say. I will say that Alonzo made some corrections from his fight with, um, was it Derek Clark? Yes. Devin Clark. Devin Clark. I'm sorry. My bad, Clark. God, we found them all looking for a fight, by the way. Because uh, Clark fought beautifully yeah. with, with closing the distance. And uh, he, he had a beautiful game plan. And I feel that in that fight, Alonzo Menifield really tried to put him away hard and he got kind of tired and he wanted, I think he learned from that and he paced himself, but he might've paced him. It, 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 listen, I don't want to be that critic on the side, but he might've paced himself a little too much Sure, because it went from him looking to take Clark's head off and now he's fighting OSP and he's being more calculated, but maybe a little bit too reserved. Well, and he's and, also dealing. Sorry, man. He's also dealing with OSP's length and that that kick. I mean, that that body kick he throws is is so beautiful when it's working, and it's constant, and it, it makes it hard enough. To, the, the, the distance I think would have been a little harder for him to close 
And with that kick, it just made it almost impossible. So yeah. Um, well, and then when he tried a really to, smart fight. Yeah, when he tried to open up, when he, you know, CP, uh, CP, <laughs> OSP, uh, with that short hook, when he caught that hook off the, uh, when, when Alonzo was trying to hurt him. Listen, it's no, it's no um, shock. When, you, when you're in there and you try to hurt somebody, you put, your, 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 you put yourself in position to get hurt. That's the game we play, yeah. you know? So Alonzo took the chance. He tried to hurt him, tried to land something, and uh, OSP, you know, had a nice, counter hook and uh it was it was the end of the night for alonzo but i want to see i like that we see a difference like the, alonzo's making changes he's, he's making right. corrections i've seen that even though he wasn't victorious and it was osp what can you say he's just i think all his fights wins losses freaking osp strangles the von flu chokes i think that uh it, it, you know his fight iq is really just He's he's really looks composed in there, I should say. You know, never looked better out. You know, he really did. Um, yeah, I mean, I really I love watching him, and uh, yeah. I was very happy for him. And people like again, he's another guy that gets overlooked a lot. Um, you know, people don't really talk about Ovin St. Pro. He fights often, but I mean, people don't. He doesn't get mentioned, and uh, I'm always happy to see him win. And uh, you know, it was it was Fun a great stuff. night. Fun stuff, Jimmy. Yeah. Listen, what do we? What else do we have, Jimmy? I'm talking. I think. I mean, uh, thank you to Jan Blahovic and uh, and thank you to uh, to John Gooden. What are you doing the rest of the day, Jimmy? Um, not a whole lot today. I'll relax. Uh, it's been a few days off, and then prepare for the radio show tomorrow. Oh, Jimmy. Well, and that show I I, I listened to you with your friend Chrissy. What was the name? Chrissy Mayer. Yeah, in hot. It would no uh, the wet spot. I was sitting in hot water. That's my other friend. You're a dirty little boy, Jimmy. Yeah, I, I didn't right. care for that name. It was very dirty. Yeah, Chrissy's great. spot. All right, Jimmy, man, listen. I'm going to go. I'm going to take my kids in the pool or something. Have fun, I will buddy. talk to you in a couple days, bro. All right, Matt. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, guys. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.